Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hi, Catherine. Hi. How are you doing? I'm fine. We had a Texas uh, bar- barbecue or something? A wrangling match? <laughs> Uh, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm going to get accused of some sort of bias. Uh, I... Yeah, cultural essentialism or something. Yeah. How are you? Oh, uh, you know, a little tired. Why is that? Is something going on? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it was quite predictable that this eventually would happen. But since Trump has gotten infected, it's sort of events have just been unfolding so quickly that, uh, you know, it's all I can do to try to make sense of them so i've written three things and yeah i mean it's funny you say that because i actually i was thinking about calling you this week and i was like i think for the first time maybe since we started talking i actually don't have any questions really so you you've been like, keeping up with it <laughs> I, I have been because i have tons of questions maybe i could ask you <laughs> what you yeah, think yeah. happened no i mean i what i mean is I mean, of course, there are questions, but I think, like, big picture, this is, like, the least surprising thing that's happened. It feels like the logical conclusion of of the last six months. Yeah. And not just him getting sick, but him then talking about getting sick as if it was maybe intentional or, or he knew the risks and it's just something that he had to do and that he's going to defeat it. Like, the whole thing is sort of, like, strangely unsurprising. Right. Um, I guess there's nothing to talk about then. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> um, I mean, the the questions I've been trying to, you know. I mean, do you not feel the same way? I mean, have has this raised new questions for you? Well, for for one thing, you know, the first thing that we learned that he was taking was this antibody cocktail. Right. Um, Made by a company called Regeneron, Regeneron, which in that same week had done a big PR push behind their early results, saying that they were better than they actually were. Regeneron sounds like the name of a like an evil Terminator robot from a movie about the end of the world or something. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, which is so but they're making these sort of synthetic monoclonal antibodies, which are meant to mimic. Remember we talked about plasma. What's monoclonal? Like amplify it, they can take it and just make synthetic versions that are all like the same. Okay, well, how is that different from polyclonal? Mm, that would be you're testing me here. Um, what's in a normal person's plasma? There might be some differences between types of antibodies, but they just sort of make this one and use it as a drug. So this isn't plasma. This is manufactured antibodies. It should work similarly. Yeah, but it's sort of this controlled process where you're synthetically making just this very one specific type. And um, then you can make a cocktail of a few of those different one specific types. And Mm -hmm. they're testing that out right now. And so the only way to do it right now for normal people is to be in a clinical trial. Uh, And Mm -hmm. he was given it, for reasons we don't quite understand, under a special exemption to that law. I mean... 
as much as I want to, like, I'm curious about the process. Like, he's the president. It doesn't seem that complicated. How he well, can. it's curious because the early trials are just not that promising. It's probably not going to be harmful. You, you, he he and his doctors made the decision. We want to go ahead and just, if there's anything out there that's experimental, like, <laughs> it's unclear. Basically, we did not ever get an estimation of it. But it, it was an interesting decision. And then you combine that with the fact that he also took another experimental but slightly more substantiated uh, antiviral called remdesivir. Right. We've talked about that before. The consensus on that is like, could be helpful. Yeah, very expensive, but will have some use cases where it can help some people. Um, We don't know enough about the president's course of disease to know why or whether he is in the category that would likely be helped by it, but we know he was given it. But isn't it okay? So, th- but there's a third drug, right? The third drug seems like the one that's the most, I don't know. Yeah. Alarming? W- well, they started it uh, on Saturday, and that is the steroid, dexamethasone. Yeah. Lots of people have taken prednisone. You probably have taken prednisone or put it on your skin at least at one point. I don't know. There must be what something. What do you use it for? Like dermatologists, use, <laughs> dermatologists <laughs> and rheumatologists and sure. immunologists use steroids for like everything, any kind of allergy, all kinds of autoimmune flares. Just say it. Just say it. Is it a rash? Would I have used it for a rash? <laughs> Are you trying to avoid saying the word rash? Um, that is a such a broad term. Yeah. Um, it just kind of something that it's something something gross. Something that <laughs> knocks down your inflammatory process. So. Something that, like eczema, mm-hmm. um, these extremely common conditions that are just due to your immune system kind of being all revved up. Got it. Okay, so steroids calm the immune system. And you may have used a steroid topically for a rash in the past. That's basically it. But there is this really important tension when you, when you talk about steroids. You don't, you know, when your body's trying to clear an infection... You don't want to mm-hmm. be on steroids. It can make you more susceptible to infection or to that infection progressing. Because it calms your immune response. Yeah, right? So doctors are kind of always trying to balance, and that's what the challenge is in treating COVID is. Sometimes it's your immune response that kills you, though. Yeah. So from what we were told, he started these antivirals almost exactly at the same time that he started the dexamethasone. So that timing is a little curious, as well as the decision to start dexamethasone at all because it's not recommended except in severe or critical cases. Which indicates he's maybe sicker than they're saying. Yeah, that was sort of at odds, right? The idea is that if your lungs are getting enough inflammation in them that you are unable to oxygenate your blood and your blood oxygen levels are dropping significantly, that's an indication that you're, you've pushed into this stage of inflammation where we... You know, it's logical to start steroids and try to pull that back. So the public was being told that that was not happening to the president. There were two brief instances in which he temporarily had slightly low levels. But also the decision was made to start dexamethasone. So the very logical question is, okay, what was happening that made you think this was a way to go? And, you know, the president's doctor has, has deflected that as sort of two in the weeds or people challenging, you know, our authority. He just sort of said, that's the decision we made. Um, How much, here's a, here's a, here's a real question. How much information are we as a public entitled to about the president's? Yeah, that's, that's the key question here, right? And there's a long tradition of presidents concealing medical information. 
uh, this is a completely unique moment. Part of it is that you're talking about an infectious disease that's spreading right now. There's always an interest in the president's health, even if it's, you know, the president has gotten colon cancer. Because you do want to know if that, uh, you know, if there are metastases mm-hmm. to the brain and that's affecting the president's decision making, people should know that. Um, right. But there's logical case to be made that if trustworthy doctors can reassure people that, the you know, the president has an illness, you don't need to know all about it because it doesn't affect their capacity at all, that you would be able to maintain privacy. Mm-hmm. Um that changes, of course, when there's an infectious disease. All of us are going to be, you know, are dealing with issues of privacy right now. But it also, of course, changes when the president has been downplaying the severity of what's happening. It also, there, there, there are lots of, of layers. And then finally, there's a sort of cascade of need for information. You know, when you drop something like that you started the president on dexamethasone, all of a sudden, you've implied it's a severe or critical case. So there's sort of then a need to, uh, need to know more. Um, Jim, wait, really, this is all you've been thinking about? Yeah. Okay, obviously, me too. But, like, what are you wondering about? I mean, intellectually, it's interesting, but there's also clearly, there was a cover-up. We know that. Uh, of? Of information, because within 24 hours, we learned the president had a high-risk exposure. The president is positive. The president has symptoms. The president has received an experimental therapy. And the president is going to be hospitalized for a few days. Yeah, so that was quite a... That, that is not how this disease works, yeah. you know? And, and right, no right. one should be being tested or monitored more frequently than the president and the people close to him, like Hope Hicks. So there had to be knowledge that there was some high-risk exposure. There had to be a positive test. There had to be symptoms we didn't know about. And, you know, this remains to be litigated, but the president was out and about during a time when he was either not tested for a few days, or he had a positive test and went out anyway. And it's going to be interesting to yeah. see how that, you know, how that plays out. So just tracing it back has been interesting. And then, you know, trying to understand what's really going on with these conflicting messages where we're told the president is fine, but there are <laughs> weird refusals to discuss things that should be inconsequential. Right, right, which is one of the confusing things. Like, I think the speculative among us assume the worst, right? It's like, well, he must be, like, really ill, and he must have been ill for a long time. You know, it's like, if if you're very clearly not getting all of the information, it's tempting to think of the worst. Do you think there's any way that this actually isn't this bad, and just the sort of White House's tendency to obfuscate? is actually making things seem worse than if they just said what was actually happening? Yeah, that's exactly it. I, you know, statistically, he will very likely be fine, you know? Right, right. That's the thing is, like, even though he's in all of these high-risk categories, like, most people still (laughs) survive this, Mm -hmm. even in those categories. So it just feels like the truth might actually be less alarming. Yeah. Um, Maybe not, but maybe so. It just seems that based on what Conley has said, he doesn't want to address certain things like whether the president ever needed oxygen, whether there was any abnormality in his kidney function, in his radiologic exams, which he sort of alluded to, but 
won't just say. And usually, like, <laughs> you know, the job of a doctor is just tell you tell you the basic fact and then what they made of it. And it, when you gloss over things and say, you know, like, I can't tell you that unless there's a reason, it just makes people wonder. And especially right now, it just, I don't expect that anything was really wrong with those things, but it's just weird to not know. And if you're going to put a person on a experimental drug and it doesn't quite make sense with what you're telling us, then why not, like, spend an extra... 30 seconds explaining that. Uh, right, right. I mean, I think the the thing is, I guess there are a lot of questions that can be asked about this last week. It's obviously been very alarming, but also somehow tragically unsurprising. But what do you think are the actual important questions for the public right now? Like, not the sort of palace intrigue who's lying what's really happening why is this person lying talking about the transmission is more than palace intrigue just because it would be significant to know that a president knew that he was positive the ethics of whether or not you immediately tell the public is one thing you might want to say we'll do a confirmatory test in the morning but for now just lay low but he he didn't He didn't lay low. So either he wasn't tested or he was positive. And that that is a massive scandal in the middle of a pandemic that, again, is part of, you know, his doctors won't even tell us about what the testing protocols were, which, again, raises more just barriers to trust. Yeah, I mean, I guess the distinction to me, I mean, we've been talking for six months about how the administration, like, knowingly, <laughs> out of denial and incompetence for political gain, knowingly allowed the disease to spread and did not react in the way that was appropriate and was their duty, causing now about 210,000 Americans to die. This is the same thing. Like, it's the personal manifestation of what's been going on for six months. Why is it surprising that that he would go around infecting people? Like, yeah, honestly, honestly, why is it surprising? This is what we've been talking about for six months. Well, you know, Trump is known to be... I'm not saying it's not bad. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what is new here? Like, he has done this to much greater consequence already i'm not to compare i don't know there are still questions as to you know why a person would do that how much do they genuinely not understand versus how much do they Mm -hmm. ignore because it's politically convenient or for personal gain you know you think about that with Mm -hmm. climate change too like how many people just really don't understand the science or how many people don't want to or how many people actively downplaying it and Trump is known to be a germaphobe. He he didn't want, you know, he said he was taking uh, hydroxychloroquine in order to prevent himself from getting this. He didn't want to get it. And it seems that he tested positive and went out. Yeah. Again, that could be proven wrong. It could be proven that he was just declining tests or that there were a weird series of false negatives. Um, mm-hmm. But there was actual cavalierness there, which makes it seemed that he really did not understand that this was a potentially serious disease or did not at least behave in accordance with it in his own life. 
And what does that mean? Like, what does that tell you? Like, did did you assume before that he was willing to endanger others' lives but would have protected himself? Yeah. You know, there are reports that he, like, is really into Purell and if he has to shake a hand, he yeah, yeah. Um, sanitizes and that he's very into projecting images of strength and lack of fear. And so how much of this is, you know, is there a president who's getting up on stage saying, open the economy, the virus is no big deal, but is secretly going home and sitting under like UV light and taking all kinds of vitamins and super freaked out about it. Um, And it seems anyway, that that is not uh, what was happening. Right. Uh, There's just a lot of complexity here that, um, I don't know. Have you learned from it or is it just confirming what you expected no i mean obviously it's been shocking and really sad it's like a sad climax to this whole thing not that it's over but i um what do i think i guess i honestly just feel out of energy i just what is there to say you know well i don't know i don't know what to say i think there's a lot of scientific denialism right now right and often People come back to saying, well, why can't we, you know, people just educated more that they had the facts. We could get through this. Right. But it really seems that there's there's an element of that which just involves privilege. And that's something we're not talking about enough with this pandemic, which is partly just the privilege of knowing that you will get to go to Walter Reed or that you'll have the best medical care. Mm-hmm. And you believe that you're going to be okay because of it. Or part, but it's partly just this exceptionalism thinking like the world does not apply to me. Regular rules don't apply to me. They never have. Like tax codes don't, um, whether you have to pay your contractors, pay your employees, like what you can do in terms of harassment of women, uh, nothing applies to me. And that will include these basic directives. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like that is the reality of it. Does it make you, I mean, again, I'm trying to like, I could philosophize all day about like, what this all means, but I think from a practical standpoint, does this change anything for people who aren't in the White House? You know, um, yeah. like, do we worry that policies may become even more lax and glib after this? If if he recovers without much trouble, like that somehow whatever fear or worry about him getting sick might have been holding things back before will be gone like i guess does this change anything for most people in this country in terms of how they should uh, be taking care of themselves i think this part of the double-edged sword of the personal experience element of this pandemic and we've talked Mm -hmm. before like that a lot of people that around the world places didn't take this seriously until it, it reached them and people who've been seriously affected, you know, really knocked down or lost a loved one or had a, someone, they you know, hospitalized, you know, the, their eyes are open. But at the same time, if you have experienced a mild case and everyone around you has only been mild, you mm-hmm. know, there's that other side of the personal experience where if that ends up being what happened here and Trump starts to believe that you spend a weekend feeling a little tired uh, up at your suite in the hospital and that is what this disease is. And if he chooses to frame it that way, you know, like, I got through it, I'm strong, look at me, then, yeah, I think it's big for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. It changes some of the tone of the messaging, even in, a, in an even more dangerous direction, maybe. 
I mean, it already has, right? Like, you know, yeah. he's very big on personal experience. Like, what I'm hearing is this, and yeah, this yeah. is how I, I, you know, this is what people around me are saying. That is the basis of his scientific worldview. Yeah. You know, this is something that happens commonly in science. Like, the fuel of personal narrative is extremely strong in people's yeah, beliefs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The anti-vax movement is so driven by, like, well, this happened to one person, and so therefore... All the studies in the world can't convince me otherwise. And I think there's a possibility he becomes a, he already has sort of savior status to a group of people. But if, Mm -hmm. you know, they be, look what happened to this person. This is a person we are familiar with. We saw him get through it. Uh, It's not that bad of a disease. Mm -hmm. No number of statistics will counter that perception. Yeah. To get out of the speculative territory here, we, it is statistically likely and we hope that he is, in fact, feeling good and getting better. But in terms of where he is in the disease, like, do we have to watch really carefully? Like, is he still at a concerning point? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, yeah, I expect he will very likely just continue to feel better and be fine. Um, He's feeling good right now because he's on dexamethasone, as people do. Does Do steroids make you high, basically? Uh, To some degree, yeah. Uh, Different degrees in different people, but some people get straight up manic and, and lots of people feel just increased levels of energy and can't sleep. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I think like a big caffeine overdose is mm-hmm. the closest comparison. It's not like, you know, being on mm-hmm. cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where he is right now. And I think the next few days you still could see a crash, some sort of uh, immune response um, that is irregular that causes new symptoms and is cause for him to seek more medical attention. Um, That's certainly not impossible, but not likely. So we just have to wait and see. Wait and see and hope for the best. And we 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 don't even know what we're going to hear anyway. Like, if there are symptoms... We might not necessarily hear about it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's just what it would be like if there is some arrhythmia or some transient change in kidney function. It would just be helpful to people... To know that's what happens, he's fine, he's able to lead, but but this can happen. This is a serious virus. It really does things to people. Yeah, like it actually could be an educational moment for like what to worry and, about. And yeah. that's yeah. why it's so important to be transparent right now in a way that we don't always need to know everything about a president's status. But right now, yeah. It actually could be a really helpful educational moment. Um, yeah. Well, we're recording this at Tuesday at 6 p.m. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, can I ask you about something only tangentially related? Sure. Um, the FDA released new guidelines about the vaccine. What's all that about? How many stories do you want me to follow? Did you not see this? No, I did. I did. Uh, the FDA has been pushing for kind of stricter guidelines as to when they would approve for widespread use of vaccine in terms of what qualifies as safe and effective. Mm-hmm. And the White House has been pushing to have those standards be lower because it wants to declare mission accomplished. We have a vaccine earlier on, ideally before the election. Mm -hmm. So the White House blocked these rules, but then the FDA issued them anyway. And I'm not sure how How that works. (laughs) The order of uh, legality happens there, but it seems as of now that those rules are going to stand. And so there's not likely going to be an approval of anything before the election. Did I get okay. that right? 
Well, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> in the, <laughs> I'm pretty in confident in that, but that's not been the story that I've been. The answer to you is I want you to follow all the stories. Oh. This is what this is all about. Okay. Um, so basically what the, the takeaway from that is like earlier there had been an announcement like we'll have a vaccine by early November. But that's, you know, as long as the FDA rules stand, like that's not the case. We're not getting a vaccine in four weeks. And even by getting, meaning even finding one that is approved. Yeah. Not like, even, like again, have... distribution and wide distribution is not even what we're talking about. Um, yeah. I mean, Russia approved a vaccine a while ago, you know. Really? So it's it's all about your um, it's all about your standards. Mm. Well, while you were following all of these health stories, Trump tweeted that uh, he has asked Mitch McConnell to focus full time on approving the Supreme Court justice. Our economy is doing very well. Stock market is at record levels. Jobs and unemployment. So um. Stop negotiating on aid until after the election, is what he said. Yeah, that's that's tragic, because that's the one thing that we could do right now. I've instructed my representatives to stop negotiating until after the election. Well, who's to know what to believe? Because, you know, while he was at Walter Reed this weekend, he tweeted, uh, people need aid, get it done. You know, I'm counting on Congress to get this done. so maybe it'll change. Yeah, I mean, who knows, who knows. But I do hope that that continues to get pushed forward. And I, I guess I hope that, I hope the president gets well. And I also hope that we keep in mind the situation across the country. Like, this has been a, an extremely distressing and distracting week. But I, I really hope that, like, like, there's still so much really pressing need. But anyway, that is another thing that happened. So we'll see. Who knows what will happen tomorrow's a new day you know anything could happen yeah we could be you know next week this time we could be talking about how the president is still battling covid or about how he's back out on the campaign trail having rallies with no masks and telling people nothing to see here Mm -hmm. so can i say one ask you one last thing i do think uh seeing him leave the hospital and some of his language around this and and some of his staff's language around this, I feel like there have been a lot of comparisons of coronavirus to a war, glibly or seriously. But it is interesting how he is kind of using adversarial language to talk about him, like, defeating the virus. And he, like a general, had to go out and, you know, confront the enemy. Mm-hmm. I, I I wonder if you have thoughts about how, like, thinking about this as a military battle, it it seems like in some ways the opposite of that. Like you you actually do want to run and hide. <laughs> you don't want to go out and confront the enemy. Like running and hiding is the most noble thing you can do in this particular instance, right? Mm, well, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think the battle analogies uh, hold up at all. Well, I mean, we it's not just him. We do this with a lot of diseases where we say like the person is like, winning the war against they're battling the disease they're you know we use this sort of like win or lose framing for a lot of diseases i mean i've heard people talk about how that can be like sort of a troubling or discouraging framing (laughs) like it's not actually in your control a lot of the time yeah some people find it really empowering and other people are are really upset by it especially people who've uh, had someone who's quote-unquote lost 
mm-hmm. you know, because we all lose in the end, if you want to see it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, I think that language of motivation can ideally be done in a way that's not adversarial. What is your motivational language? Oh, I, <laughs> I don't know. What would you? Uh, I don't know. I would go more in the self-care, perhaps even, yeah, the, the uh, <laughs> sort of like um, healing route. Yeah, or, you know, we're here for you, I'm here for you, everyone's thinking of you, you know, we're thinking about the next things that are going to happen after, you know, when, when this is all over, and looking to the, the sort of positive empowerment thinking mm-hmm. um, some people believe that mindset is really helpful. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what Trump's doctor has argued that he was doing for Trump. But there are ways to do it without denying the realities of what's, you know, in front of you. Yeah. Well, we will see what the week brings and hope for the best. I'm here for yeah. you, Jim. Uh, and I for you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks for wishing me happy birthday. Is it your birthday? Uh, it was yesterday. <gasps> I missed it. I had no idea. No, no, it's fine. It was How Monday. Old are you, I, I should uh, say. 45? 23. 23. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. You're you're famously ageless, so we'd never know. We really have <laughs> no idea how old you are. You could be anywhere from 12 to 50. And it would be like, I, yeah, oh, yeah. But I, my soul is this old withered raisin. Right, right. Emotionally, I've aged in the past year. But you have the skin of a of a baby due to never showering. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, happy birthday! What did you do? Oh, wait, how'd you know? Um, <laughs> I wrote, I wrote, and I wrote. I have three stories in the last five days. So if everyone could read them, I'd feel like my work was not wasted. Did you do anything good at all? No, like nothing. Uh, went to sleep at nine o'clock on my birthday so that I could get up at five o'clock and uh, write before being on TV at 6.30 this morning. Jim, do we need to go back to the beginning? You're not taking care of yourself. I know. People are being like, it's like an, it's an, you know, it's an important moment or whatever. But I, yeah. I, Every moment of the last six months has been important. I know. All right. I'm going to take over from now on because you, we're going to have to do another intervention because you have not You've not been taking care of yourself. Okay, no, we're going to work not. on this. Kevin and I are going to plot. Um, Kevin Townsend produced the show today and every week. Uh, you can write us at socialdistanceattheatlantic.com or call us at 202-642-6487. The best way to support this show and get access to all of the Atlantic's journalism is with a subscription at theatlantic.com slash support us. Okay, Jim. Thank you for talking, uh, Catherine. Going to spend the next week plotting. I enjoyed it. Plotting. Um, yes. And thank you for doing your job in a <laughs> very difficult moment. Talk to you soon. But also take a break. Okay. okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. So should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.